Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And me, Spencer Locker. Spence, how are you doing? All right, Martin. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Very good. Yeah, we're um, I, I, yeah, we're, we're three weeks, four weeks into lockdown. Um, fully established, working from home. Uh, looking forward to getting back to remotely normal. I don't think it's going to be entirely normal, Spence, but um, no. I'm hoping there's some light at the end of the tunnel in the next three weeks. How about you? How are you getting on? I'm do, doing all right, actually. Um, I, I was worried a little bit about um, sort of achieving goals, names and things like that. But in actual fact, I've got my own space. I've got a bit of headspace. So, yeah, I've been very, very productive, to be honest. Yeah, I said that to someone the other day. It's actually slowed my mind down quite a lot. So at times, although I get, you know what I'm like, I get frustrated if I'm not, you know, bouncing around and doing high octane stuff and achieving <laughs> yeah. outcomes. But it's just given me time to think a little bit more and be a bit more methodical and focused, which I think has helped. It really has helped. So I think even when we go back into the office and we get back to working remotely close to normal, I think there will be some changes that I make. So it's been good. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so Spence, we, we've not done uh, as many podcasts in recent weeks due to the COVID-19 outbreak and obviously just getting set up at home. And we've been focused very much on the T2 hub and doing some online webinars, etc. But we, we wanted to bounce back this week and next week with some uh, podcasts. Um, and, and one of the topics me and you wanted to record was on resilience and adaptability. Now, for anybody listening to this podcast or who listens generally to our podcast and, and, and has done any work with us at T2, you'll know that Spencer used to be in the military and he uh, was involved in uh, and trained in becoming a resistance to interrogation instructor. Uh, which meant that anybody who run the risk of capture, whether it was aircraft pilots or special forces soldiers or whoever it might be, you used to put them through some resistance to interrogation uh, training where you would interrogate them in the bid to take them to the point of breaking, but in 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 in, in order to build that resilience and that adaptability. Um, and since then, obviously, since you've been with us at T2, you've very much done a lot of work around resilience and adaptability. And we've got an upcoming event in September in London, where you're going to be delivering a talk to a large audience on this. So we just thought that we'd done some work prior to COVID-19, didn't we, Spence, on the six principles of resilience and adaptability. And um, and I just thought uh, it'd be great to get you on and have a chat with chat through the six, because I think right now in the situation we are dealing with in COVID-19, a lot of people need to try and maintain or build a level of resilience and adaptability. Would you agree? Yes, very much so. Um, when we start talking about uh, the sort of resilience and adaptability, whether it's in the context of the uh, resistance to interrogation, or maybe it's um, in, as an in, from an individual's perspective or whatever, we like. I like to use the analogy of of going to the gym. So uh, when we when we all go to the gym, or the vast majority of us do some sort of physical activity. Um, what we're doing is we're actually conditioning our, conditioning our body to achieve an aim. So we start from one position and, and we, we condition that body. We, we, we make it so that our body is resilient and adaptable so that we can achieve an aim. Uh, and that's physical, yeah. But why, why can't we do it 
um, from a mental or an emotional perspective. And that's what resistance to interrogation is all about. You're exposing people to a certain amount of um, this uh, this sort of thing, this stimulus, this this uh, this whatever you like calling it. And um, you're building your emotional and your mental resilience and making yourself very adaptable. Yeah. And, and this is for anybody who, who is not aware as well, you know, who has watched the show, you was you was part of, I think, was it five series? Um, uh, the first four series. Four and the series. Celebrity one. Yeah. Yeah. So four series and a celebrity version of SAS Who Dares Wins, which is oh. you was one of the interrogators on the show where the recruits get to the end and you put them through the, the interrogation phase all in a bid to see if they can pass the course and and have what it takes to, um, you know, to un- undergo interrogation and come out the other end so yeah you've got some you've got some vast experience in this now what i'm going to do on this podcast Spence, is let's talk through the six principles that we came up with together around at t2 around what is it that you're testing for in those experiments and what is it in general life both in the workplace and in in, in your personal life that allows an individual to be resilient and show adaptability and we've got six facets if you like that you need to think about, and I think they're really, really relevant for the current situation. So let's kick off with the first uh, facet or the first principle, if you like, Spence, and that's change. So anybody who is resilient or wants to build resilience and show adaptability, you have to understand that we are constantly surrounded by change in our lives, in in the workplace. Things change. Right now, the world is changing. The way we are operating is changing. And those people who don't deal with change very well tend to show low levels of resilience, Spence, and and, Mm. and they are not adaptable. Those who embrace change almost acknowledge it and go, you know what, it feels uncomfortable, but I'm going to navigate this and I'm going to flex and move with it. They tend to be more resilient and more adaptable. Would you agree? I would, I would. And uh, and it's it's interesting choice of words you used then. Uh, You said comfortable. Now, uh, uh, when we start talking about personal development, we're talking about resilience and adaptability, and we talk about all that sort of good stuff. Um, we frequently, uh, not just us, but other people, frequently talk about the comfort zone, don't we? Yeah. Uh, the comfort zone, people sort of saying, well, I've got to push myself out of my comfort zone, or I don't want to go too far out of my comfort zone. And that's perfectly acceptable. I, I, I get that. I do totally get that. However, everything needs to be put into a context. And when we start talking about the comfort zone, we've also got to bear in mind that there are three other zones to consider. So outside your comfort zone, you've got your fear zone. Outside your fear zone, you've got your learning zone. And outside your learning zone, you've got your growth zone. So to get to that learning zone and the growth zone, we've got to punch past our fear zone. And that is a tough deal, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why people... Uh, resist change and, and even on a on a on a sort of basic level Spence I know you we always laugh about it but it's some people where they've been using an operating system like Outlook or, or Windows you know they've been using Windows 2008 for however many years and all of a sudden they have they have to upgrade they have to upgrade their software package yeah. and then all of a sudden it looks and feels different and they and they hate it because it's change, and we don't like change. I got used to using the old system, and I don't. So people resist change, and therefore they don't become very adaptable. And this, and, and that's a small example. Or, or, or you know, you get a new phone, you, you change your phone from an iPhone to a Samsung, and it feels alien. And three days in, you're regretting it because you don't know how to use the bloody thing, right? Changes. Yeah. People are creatures of habit sometimes. Well, 
we're human beings, aren't we? And as human beings, it's natural for us to uh, be scared of or not like what we do, something we don't understand. Yes, absolutely so, right. So, yeah, so if we get to that point where we come out of our comfort zone and go into our fear zone, then you know what it's like. We talk about the chimp paradox. We talk about the chimp um, uh, uh, reframing information to suit its own agenda. So if you don't, what if you don't, if you're quite happy with being in your fear zone and you're saying, I don't like this and I don't like that, and then something will happen that you don't like, well, there you go, I said that'll be the case. And you just go back to your comfort zone. Yeah, and, and to bring this first principle to a point in the current situation, things are changing, right? And the situation has changed. And even when we go back into the workplace, there will be more change. The change to the, change to the way we have to... There'll be social isolation measure, and social distancing measures for months to come. The way we operate in the workplace, the way we operate with customers, everything is going to change. We have to adapt. We have to be able to embrace it, acknowledge it, and move. Because if we don't, you're not going to be resilient to the situation. You're not going to be adaptable, and you're going to struggle. So change is the first facet, if you like, the first principle of someone who shows resilience and adaptable adaptability. They, they embrace the change. They're open to change, and they, they move with the situation. The second principle, Spence, that I'm going to bring into the mix is fatigue. Now, one of the things you do on the show, SES Who Dares Wins, is you purposely fatigue the recruits before you interrogate them. Because you know that when you fatigue a human being, the, their level of tolerance uh, is almost eradicated. And when a human being has no tolerance, then they're not very resilient, right? And um, fatigue in the mod, and even in our, in our sort of lives and in, our, in the workplaces, we can get become fatigued. And we're not talking about short-term fatigue, Spence. We're talking about prolonged fatigue you know constant fatigue and um one of the things that i've benefited from since lockdown is is ha having no fatigue because I've, I've slowed down and i've rested and i'm sleeping great and i'm exercising every day uh, and my energy levels are up and my focus is on and and fatigue will always inhibit your ability to be resilient and adaptable would you agree i would and, and it's a really good word you use there tolerance I think resilience and adaptability, there's loads of words that you can attach to that. And I think tolerance is, is, is a great word. I mean, we all, no matter what walk of life you get, we all get fatigued. We, we all seem to, in this modern world, deprioritize rest and recuperation. Um, we all get fatigued and we all know what it's like when, so, when, when you snap at somebody and somebody's sort of look, raise their eyebrows at you to say, say oh, somebody's tired. Yeah. Or, or if you're hungry, you're hangry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I think I think you've got quite a a really good um, saying that you use um, when it comes to sort of addressing fatigue. Yeah, I always say, don't I? If I look after me, me will look after everything else. And what human beings do, if you think about it, is we try and we skip looking after ourselves, and we try and look after everybody else and everything else. Our careers, our job, you know, our, our hobbies, our interests, our friends, our family, our kids, and, and we neglect ourselves. And, and in order to become resilient and adaptable, you need to look after yourself first so you can look after others and everything else. And, and that, that's a really, I think, important point. And you mentioned an interesting one there about tolerance because right now, if you're a parent and you're listening to this, we're all trying to operate from home. We're in isolation, in close proximity. We're spending far more time with each other and our kids uh, than ever. We're trying to you know, be on conference calls and on video calls while there's noise in the background. The kids are getting frustrated and their behavior starts to, you know, starts to become negative. 
we have less tolerance. So, you know, and, and you can see it happening. Your resilience levels go through the floor when you're fatigued and when tolerance goes. And, and I think it's really important now that we look after that and we understand that, the, the, that sleeping well, eating well, and, and, and guarding against fatigue right now is going to help us be more resilient through the current situation. Yeah, totally agree now, with the third one, Spence, is an interesting one. I, I, we sort of, we sort, it sort of came upon us as we was talking. But <coughs> if, if you're going to be resilient and adaptable, then you have to be able to navigate aggression or aggressive behaviour or conflict or confrontation. It doesn't have to be physical; it can be verbal. But in all walks of life, whether it's personal life or in the workplace, you know, or if you're interrogating somebody, or if you're in the military, we come up against aggression, and those people who act unconsciously generally do one of two things in the face of aggression spence they will either meet it head on mm. or they will retract and run away it's our fight or flight it's where the term comes from and either one of those responses fighting aggression head on and meeting it in kind or completely avoiding it and running away does not show resilience or adaptability there is a middle ground where you freeze and you try to deal with the situation and, and, and that's what the most resilient and adaptable people do. And in the workplace, aggression and forms of aggression over email or in meetings, you know, whatever it might be, is the one thing that inhibits people to be resilient and adaptable and drive outcomes. Yes, totally agree. Uh, it's uh, difficult sometimes uh, to, to deal with it because sometimes it is, I, I mean, it, it might be poignant to say at this point that, all six points, all six principles, all six factors or facets of, of resilience and adaptability can be intertwined. They can uh, cause, uh, one can cause the others, or maybe a fa uh, uh, the others can cause the one that you're suffering from. So we can look at them in isolation, but it doesn't always mean that they exist in isolation. So when we start talking about aggression, it might be perceived aggression, for, that you're you're receiving an aggressive uh, um, an aggressive manner from somebody else, but it might be as a result of fatigue, and yeah. it might be a result of not dealing with change very well. So that's why yeah. they are being you perceive them as being aggressive. It's just that they've been tipped over the edge, so that they are behaving or communicating in a certain way. So yeah, it's that understanding of where's that person coming from, and not necessarily running away or meeting it head on, but finding that middle ground where maybe you can diffuse that situation. You can, um, you can uh, maneuver around this aggression to get a favorable outcome. Yeah. And you, one of the, one of the approaches and principles you use on the show, SAS who dares wins when you're interrogating is aggression. So one of your approaches would be to go in and get in somebody's face and be aggressive and, and, and confrontational. And the reason you're doing that is because you're looking for the response. What is the response of this individual? Can they show resilience and, and adaptability and think this through? Or are they just going to fly off the handle, respond back, which is not going to end well? Um, so, so it's one of the approaches you make. And, and if you watch the show, uh, the people who are really successful in the interrogation phase don't respond in kind, but they also don't just not say anything. They, they have a, an ability to receive the aggression and, and just maintain the situation without it boiling over. And that's a really important thing. It's a skill in itself, but that's what resilient and adaptable people do. Right. The fourth principle, Spence, is, is uh, pressure. So as well as 
navigating change, as well as guarding against fatigue, as well as dealing with aggression and not meeting it head on or running away, you have to be able to deal with pressurized situations. Now, I always define, because pressure means different things to different people, right? Pressure can come from a lot of areas, but there's two types of pressure or two main, if you think of pressure of two, two things, you will either go, I am at risk here and there is a consequence to this situation, or this is important to me. They're the two types of main high-level pressure you will get. Uh, if you feel at risk, you know, that fight or flight, if you feel pressurized because there's a risk or a consequence in the current situation. But if actually something is important to you, you will have self-induced pressure. Like, I've got to give a presentation in the boardroom on Friday and all of the bordering, and I'm worried how it's going to go. There's pressure straight away. But what the most resilient and adaptable people do, Spence, is they they don't go into what we call a threat state. They meet pressure in a with a challenge state mindset and yes. um and i don't know if you just want to touch upon that in terms of what you see in terms of people dealing with pressure yeah it's um again it's uh you've got to reiterate that sometimes that pressure can be caused by a, a one or, or more of the other factors of resilience and uh, uh and uh adaptability uh that pressure is is again it can manifest itself in many, many different ways. And I think that when, if we start looking at it from that challenge versus uh, threat mindset, uh, if we look at it, uh, if, we, if we see it from some people perceiving things as a threat, closed-loop thinking, uh, getting the, ch- the chimps actually reframing um, information to suit its own agenda, all this, inf- all this thinking, it can get on top of you. And when we start talking about things where we can um, we can start thinking about um, hypothetical and practical worries as well. So practical worries are, are something that we can address in the here and now, but hypothetical worries are something that could have happened in the past or might happen in the future. Well, we've got very little control over hypothetical worries, but if we start thinking about hypothetical worries and catastrophizing, that can put pressure on us as an individual and as a company. If we are communicating this pressure, this threat state language down to others or along to others, then we can find that they're in the threat state and they can start suffering from fatigue, not liking, not adapting to change, uh, being aggressive, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and and just to touch upon challenge and threat state, Spence, because many people who listen to our podcast or have been through our um, workshops or work with us at TITA will know what we're talking about, but I think when it comes to dealing with pressure in, in the context of being resilient and adaptable, you have to ha- you have to take the challenge state mindset approach. And here's the difference. A challenge state mindset in dealing with pressure says, right, I, I have this emotion. Um, I have my cortisol flooding through my brain. I feel uneasy. I feel the pressure. However, I'm going to be in a challenge state, which means I'm going to focus on what I control and what I want to achieve and what I want to happen. Whereas when some people experience pressure, they go into a threat state where they go, right, I want, I'm going to focus on, or I can't help but focus on the consequence of what might go wrong here. And therefore, I'm overly focused on the consequence and what I want to avoid. And they result in completely different outcomes in terms of behavior and actions. Mm. So, the, yeah, the key thing to, for resilient and adaptable people is when pressure arises, when they feel that, something there is a consequence to this situation or something is important to me the the resilient people go right challenge state let's focus on what i control what i want to happen whereas the not so resilient people go 
oh my God, what if this happens and I want to avoid that happening at all costs? And that's the difference between a challenge and a threat state mindset. Right, let's come on to the um, the fifth one, Spence, and I'm going to hand this straight over to you. It's rapport under duress. So when it comes to resilience and adaptability, yes, we've got to navigate change. Yes, we've got to guard, guard against you know levels of fatigue. Yes, we've got to not respond to aggression or, or, or try and deal with it in an appropriate manner. And we have to be able to deal with pressurized situations. But what we find is those people who also show resilience and adaptability are able to build rapport under duress. What do we mean by that, Spence? Right. So when we start talking about um, rapport under duress, we need to understand what it means first. So when we start talking about duress, it's like the ultimate pressure, the ultimate stress. Um, You're on the receiving end of aggression, if you like. So when we start talking about navigating aggression, um, aggression is coming towards you. So when when we feel under duress, we've got to project out, we've got to establish a rapport. So, again, when we talked about aggression, we can't meet it head on and we can't run away and hope it disappears. We've got to navigate that. And using rapport is something that we can actually use to, to we can use that as a, as a tool to be able to address it. So, and, Sorry, Spencer. And do you know what's, what's, what's amazing about that is, and this is why most people on the planet cannot build rapport under duress, because it's completely alien if you think about it. You know, if you're faced with pressure or being a, or, or an aggressive situation or some type of duress, you your natural human instincts is to do anything but build rapport with the other party, right? So yeah. it, it's not a normal, natural thing. But here's what we're saying here. If you think about it, and, and, and you can talk about uh, examples on the show, Spence, because if you think about it, the one way to diffuse aggression or pressure or duress is to build rapport so other people relate to you, you humanise yourself, and they go, do you know what? I actually, I can't continue in the mode I'm continuing because you're making it very difficult for me because you're being nice or you're still trying to maintain a level of relationship with me. And when you look at the interrogation phase on the show, the ones who do well are the ones who still build rapport with you, the interrogator, even though you're putting them under duress. Yeah, it's humanising yourself. It's making that other person um, look at you from a different perspective. Um, they're observing you. I mean, um, if you start, if you look back to uh, the second season that we did um, when we were in uh, Ecuador, uh, the lad who won that, um, Moses, uh, he was, um, he had a unique perspective in the sense that he'd been in prison uh, for some time, uh, so some of the some of the, uh, the the production staff were saying to us, um, "What do you think? Do you think you ought to sort of get in his face and be aggressive and blah 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 and do this that, and the other?" And we explained to him that that wouldn't probably wouldn't work because he'd already been conditioned to that every day in prison. I imagine. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've not been to prison. But I imagine that every day in prison, you're look, watching your six, you're making sure that uh, you're managing conflict, you're managing, uh, you're, you're becoming socially excellent because you have to be different things for different people. So if somebody gets in your face, you're already conditioned to be able to diffuse that situation and humanise yourself to, to get out of that aggressive situation and establish a rapport with the, with the other person, the other party. Yeah, absolutely. And in the workplace or in, in life, this counts as well. Very few people will will respond to pressure and aggression and, and duress 
by building rapport with the other party. But we've seen it time and again, those great leaders, you've worked for them. I used to, I used to work for one where you'd go in a room, the leader would be able to deliver a very tough message. They would be able to address contentious issues with everybody in the room, but somehow make you leave the room still feeling motivated with a high degree of rapport mm. because they can maintain rapport under duress, even though it was a, it was a tough meeting. And, and, you know, that's, that's what resilient and adaptable, adaptable people do. And uh, I think it's probably the one out of the six that most human beings have the biggest opportunity to try and try and look at. Right. Lastly, Spence, we've got, um, so just going through the, the five so far, the five, the six, we've talked about in order to become resilient and adaptable, you've got to, you've got to be able to deal with change. You've got to be able to flex, uh, embrace change and actually change with the current situation. We've talked about guarding against fatigue, really important one, because the minute fatigue, fatigue sets in, the tolerance level of the human being has gone. And when the tolerance level has gone, we're not very resilient. We've talked about aggression and conflict. Don't meet it head on. Don't run. But we've got to be able to navigate. We've talked about dealing with pressure and we've just talked about building rapport under duress. But the last one is crucial. The last principle and the sixth principle of what we observe in resilient and adaptable people is their ability to evolve. Now, mm -hmm. evolve is different to change, right? Change, I believe, is something that uh, is happening around you and you have to flex and move uh, against, whereas your ability to evolve is a conscious decision. It's like, right, if I keep experiencing you know, challenges to my resilience levels based on these things, then what do I need to change moving forward to avoid them in, you know, you know avoid them moving forward? So it's more of a proactive than a reactive thing is, is the ability to evolve. And that's what resilient and certainly adaptable people do. Because if you don't evolve, and this is my point on this, Spence, and I'll bring you in. If you don't evolve, then what happens is you just keep going around this cycle of trying to deal with change, trying to guard against fatigue, trying to combat aggression, trying to deal with pressure, trying to build rapport and duress. And you can be the most resilient person on the planet, but sooner or later, that's going to catch up with you and that's going to challenge your ability to continue being resilient. So you have to evolve to eradicate those challenges in the first place. Would you add anything else to that, Spence, in terms of why evolve I, is, I would... is a key, key part of it? I would just say that um, I agree with everything you're saying there. Um, change is reactive and, and evolve. Uh, evolution is proactive. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you find that when you look at the companies out there, the businesses, the organisations that just react to change rather than getting out in front of it and evolving, that change can be fatiguing. If you're in a constant state of flux, then not only are you going to, suffer from fatigue and pressure and, and, and possibly some aggression and, and some uh, having to um, deal with, communicate with people effectively under duress. But it's not just going to be you and your executive team. It's going to be your workers. It's going to be your middle managers, all these people in a constant state of flux and ne never knowing what's going to be happening because you're not getting out in front of it. So to change, change is survival and evolution is thrive so change survive evolve evolve to thrive does that make sense yeah. yeah i like that so so yeah absolutely so if we're dealing with change constantly um <clears throat> we're surviving the situation but if we are proactively trying to evolve the way we do things 
then we're going to thrive because we're going to eradicate that constant, I love that, constant state of flux mm. where we're combating and reacting to things that are happening around us. Um, and, and again, that, that, I guess, this final one of evolve and the ability to, to evolve is more under adaptability. But, but the, the byproduct of that is you become more resilient because you're not dealing with as much incoming. Mm. You don't have to deal with as much incoming because you're making sure that you're, you're changing your actions, behaviours, your outputs that will, will allow you to be, you know, to avoid fatigue, change, aggression, pressures. You know, if, you, if you're coming under pressure time and time again in the workplace what, and it's the same thing that's putting you under pressure, then you need to make some changes to alleviate that pressure, right? So I love that as a sixth and final point. I think it's really important. And let me just go through those again, Spence, for the last minute. You know, resilience and adaptability is different things to different people. And, and we all have different levels of resilience. But if you look at six principles that affect resilience, adaptability, we've talked about change. We have to, it's all around us. It's happening right now. We have to embrace it and we have to navigate it. I always say, you know, you can uh, affect the wind and the tide, but you can learn to sail. And I think that summarizes that one. Number two, fatigue. We've got to guard against fatigue. When fatigue sets in, the, you know, our tolerance level goes. And when our tolerance is gone, we're not very resilient. We've got to also uh, manage aggression or, or even just deal with aggression. We can't meet it head on. We can't run away, but we've still got to deal with it. We've got to deal with pressure. Is this important to me or do I feel at risk here? The minute you feel one or two, two of those things, you're under pressure. Great people who are resilient and adaptable go into a challenge state mindset and they go, right, what do I want to achieve and what do I control? And they don't go into a threat state, which says, what's the consequence of this and what do I need to avoid? The, the fifth one was building rapport under duress. It's a very alien thing to do for human beings, but those who can do it tend to diffuse situations and become more resilient and adaptable than ever. And finally, you've got to evolve. I love your saying, Spence, change, manage change to survive, but you've got to evolve to thrive and if you do that you'll become one hell of a resilient individual spence that's half an hour up mate and uh, that's been fascinating uh, thank you very much for your time i'm sure thank we'll, you, be back Martin. Next, we'll be back next week won't we with some more uh, topics yeah um and yeah we'll be back shortly with another t2 hubcast so thanks spence cheers martin see you soon mate. <laughs>